and welcome to the Flower Pot Podcast from the National Botanic Garden of Wales. My name is Bruce Langridge, and today I'm speaking to Patrick Daniel, who is uh, the sponsor for our Horticultural Apprentice Scheme. Hello, Patrick. Bruce, hello. Nice to meet you, Patrick, and you're my first guest, who I don't really know. We've met only very, 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 very briefly in the past, but your name has been floating around the ether of the Botanic Garden for probably five or six, seven, eight years now? Yes, I think we started the scheme in 2014. Oh, wow, yeah, that eight, eight years ago. And I'm thrilled to feel a part of the garden. I've been made so welcome. And the friendship and the staff who work here have been very f- welcoming to me. That's lovely. And I've gained a lot from that. Well, we're going to be digging into this today, Patrick, aren't we? We're going to be looking about um, sort of bits about your background, why you've uh, sponsored. Is it sponsored? Is that the right word, the apprentice scheme? I sponsored it and have continued to take a great interest in it. Right. I think that has counted for quite a lot. And when we're talking about an apprentice scheme, uh, we're talking about somebody who learns, who comes into a workplace and learns from experienced people about how to do the job. That's right. And as well, it's quite important, they get paid a reasonable salary while doing so. And right. it's fascinating because in yesterday's Times newspaper, there's a great article connected with Ewan Blair, the Prime Minister's oh, son, yeah, I remember. Yeah. who now runs a very successful apprentice training scheme. And he was describing the value of apprenticeships and how many people don't really want to go to university and they're happy to go and be an apprentice and learn a skill um, on the job and be paid a little for it and to come out with not just that qualification of the skill but also the confidence to go ahead yeah. in life. And that's one of the great things I wanted to get out of this scheme, not only giving young people the knowledge of their trade but also the confidence to progress. And this is used to be part of the British society, isn't it? You used to have apprenticeships for all sorts of different things. I don't know about horticulture, if this goes back to the 20th century, but I know apprenticeships kind of fell out of favour, and it's great to see they're coming back into fashion now. Yes, well, I don't know if you know how this started, but we can come back to why I had the opportunity to do it. Yeah. But the curator at the time, Simon Goodenough, was very keen that we should start an apprentice training scheme here. There was one alternative for me to give, and that was for a monument in what was the woods of the world, but is now the Arboretum. Well, how much better I found it to want to give money to training people as opposed to a stone monument in the Arboretum. (laughs) So it's really thanks to Simon that we got off with this idea. Before that, a long-time trustee, John Ellis... Did he sort of get things moving? Well, Rosie Plummer was the director at the time, yeah. and she found out of the trustees, John Ellis, who had been, a, I think, a director of education locally, yeah. and he very much agreed and wanted to direct and control our apprentice training scheme. And so it was to him, really, that the foundation of the scheme was laid. Uh, yes, I remember John. And uh, yeah, he died a few years ago, and there's a, there's a tree in tribute to him near the Great Glass House at the yes, moment. Yes, he loved the garden. He gave an enormous amount to the garden. And what he gave to this scheme was a part of what he gave to the whole garden. How did you kind of connect with here? Because you're not Welsh, are you? I'm not Welsh, but I feel I've got a, a love of Wales, and Wales has given me a huge amount. And 
I was very happy to find an opportunity to give something back to Wales. And I had this opportunity because I had the most lovely garden, what I call Hampshire's number one garden, for yeah. about 40 years. Tell me about this, Patrick. Well, I'd always wanted a place of my own. And it needed to be a place which I could enjoy while there was a soldier really in the south of England. And I found this lovely little gardener's cottage built into the walls of an old kitchen garden. And it was part of a big advertisement for a very smart house near Winchester. And in tiny print at the bottom of the page, it had further cottage and paddock also available. Uh -huh. So I formed up and said, please, I'd like the further cottage and paddock. Yeah. And this lovely walled garden with the cottage in the corner and the field became mine. And I transformed it into an ornamental garden and opened it for many years to the public. So not only did I enjoy it, but oh, thousands of pe other people enjoyed it, thousands of visitors. And that all contributed to the National Garden Scheme. Mm -hmm. And then the time came when I knew the garden was becoming too big. I didn't want it to deteriorate. And so I decided I must go. And actually that started because one morning I was listening to the wireless and there was a program about on quitting. And the <laughs> lovely poem, which goes on to say, have you the courage to quit? And it needed courage to quit the place that you loved so much, mm -hmm. but I did. And the price that the agents were asking for this provided far more than I needed. And so I had a wonderful opportunity to give something to someone. When you first came here, you said you'd been coming here a few times before you uh, got involved with us. What, what was it that drew you here? Well, my, I suppose it started with my introduction to Wales. My father had a responsibility, amongst other things, for the rangers at Sennybridge. And he loved coming down to Wales yes. from Chester, where we lived. And he brought us sometimes on holidays and we stayed around and we explored. And I think that's what got into my got Wales into my life. And then my first six months as a soldier, I, I spent at Manabia and explored the countryside and went fishing quite a lot and loved it. And then later on, I wanted a holiday and I didn't want to go overseas. And I realized that Wales was only a couple of hours away. And so came down to Wales and passed the Botanic Garden. In very, it's very early days. Uh -huh. I remember ever since I've enjoyed coming back because okay, I'd got a love of gardens by then and I wanted to collect plants, and I wanted ideas. And so that's how my love of Wales really started. I remember also as a youngster, about 16 years old, I rode my bicycle around Wales. Did you? <laughs> with four other chums, which was quite an adventure. It was very wet. But it was. What did you do? Did you do this, like the coast to get all No, we started off at Sandy Bridge and then went round through to Garran and up through Harlech and along the north coast. And we didn't make any plans. We slept in big drain pipes where people were making roads and we slept yeah. in barns, which you could do then. And we had a wonderful time. Anyway, that gave me, increased my love for Wales. Yeah. And then I trained as a soldier at Sennybridge on many occasions and in the Brecon Beacons. And when I was living in Crickhowl um, for a few years, I used to walk a lot in the Black Mountains. And those places are very special to me, as indeed is the Ellen Valley, the desert of Wales. And that appeals to me, the wide open spaces yeah. and the rivers and the fantastic little churches that I've found. I, I love them all. And I know that coming back today for this discussion, um, I just feel at one with Wales. You cross the Seven Bridge and you feel at one with Wales. So I'm thrilled to be able to give something back to Wales when Wales has given me so much. That's, that's wonderful, that is. I moved to Wales because I 
I loved Wales for various reasons. It had been part of my upbringing and came to the Botanic Garden, which I'd visited many times before, and realised this was the place that I could give something substantial. So we spoke about it, and that was the beginning of the apprentice training scheme. Was it Rosie that you, Rosie Plummet, that you probably rang up first? I met, remember meeting Rosie Plummet in the garden, not knowing who she was, yeah. but she explained who she was, and all of a sudden I said, I want to give something to the garden. That's great. <laughs> so you decided on an apprenticeship scheme. You were obviously aware at the time that maybe there weren't that many horti- trained horticulturists in Wales. Was that an issue? Not really. I knew that was what the garden said they would like to have. Right. And I wanted to give something that would perpetuate the memory of my garden, Yeah. would give something to young people, not only in their trade, but to give them confidence and would reflect not only my love of horticulture, but also the very good training that I'd been given as a soldier. And I thought that would count a lot and help young people in their lives. And did you look to other gardens about how they did apprenticeships? Or did you make it up from scratch? No, it was really John Ellis and Simon who put the framework together. And then Simon left the garden soon after that, so it was up to John Ellis and a small little committee we had which put our thoughts together. Yeah. And then Will Ritchie came along as a curator, and he had tremendous enthusiasm for the apprentice scheme. And it's really thanks to him and to John that it got off to the good start that it did, and to our first apprentice... Carly, and she set a fine example, and she is still here, I'm glad to say. And we had a previous podcast with Carly Green, which uh, if you can listen to it, you'll see her experiences of it, and I know it was massively important to her, and she's that's really still resonating with her to this day. It is, and I'm so glad. Whenever I come here, and I try and come here every few months or so, I meet the apprentices who are still here, um, who've qualified and who've got their positions here, and I love to hear them talk about the way the scheme has benefited their lives. But not only I know has it benefited their lives, it's benefited my life. Oh, yeah, go on. Because I feel I belong here to the garden, and I feel I've found a way of giving a, a living legacy. And that pleases me a lot, to be able to see what I have given, being used to advantage, and being getting to the benefit of young people. And the benefit of the garden as well, because the apprentices have not only gained from the garden, they have given the garden a lot. Now, it's a two-year apprenticeship, isn't it? It's a two-year apprenticeship, which ends up in the, provided they qualify, which they all have done, in the Royal Horticultural Society Level 2 Certificate and the City and Guilds Certificate and a qualification of various practical skills like using a chainsaw. And they do... They're two years here with a day release at the local um, agricultural, horticultural college, Koelig Cigar, and that gives them the training that they need to complete the two-year apprenticeship. And during that apprenticeship, they will do a rotation of all the different departments of the Botanic Garden. That's right, yes, because they, I often used to sort of uh, think that some got the short straw or the long straw, but because... Uh, for those in the winter, if they might get the outdoor <laughs> in, the, in the middle of, on the broadwalk in the middle of winter when it's pouring with rain, whilst another one might be in the great glass house. But somehow I talk to them and say, "Well, you're not very lucky because you're going to be outside for the next three months in the middle of the winter," and they yeah. grin and they say, "Yes, but," and I know and they know that that's going to give them the confidence 
which is one of the great things that I wanted them to get out of this scheme. We've had something along the lines of 10 apprenticeships coming through, and we've still got a, a current crop at the moment. Is there any common characteristic or experience that we look for? got a very good application process and far more applicants than we need. Yeah. And over the years, we think we've taken on two apprentices, which is the limit to what we can afford. They need a certain academic qualification, but not very, not very much. Yeah. They need the enthusiasm to want to go ahead, and they need some background um, in gardening or helping Granny with her garden, or whatever it is. Yeah. It's something to show they've got an interest in gardens. And for my purpose, I wanted to give my money towards training young people. So I think the limit was something between so 17, 18 and 22, 23. So they finished by the time they were 24. Yeah. Other sources of funding have given a, a wider um, opportunity for people. And so we've had some who are changing their careers who come who are a bit older now, perhaps late 20s, yeah. and they can fit in under other people's funding. And a great source of funding has been the National Garden Scheme. When we were looking for funding at some stage, a friend suggested to me, why don't you ask the National Garden Scheme if they would support this? And straight away, their chairman wrote back to me, said, yes, we would like to support um, activity in Wales. We want to give money back to Wales. And yes, we will support your scheme. And they have done, which has been tremendous support. And that goes back to you when you had your garden because the National Garden Scheme was kind of probably instrumental in probably you bringing people in. Well, I did draw attention to the fact that I had over my garden for many years, 20 years, for the National Garden Scheme. Yeah. Whether that had any influence, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But the National Garden Scheme was very keen. And they've been down here to see what the apprentices do and have continued to support the apprentices. And we like to feel that each year one of the apprentices is a National Garden Scheme apprentice. Yeah. And it's important that they keep in touch with the National Garden Scheme and explain what's going on. Now, you said we've kept on two. I think we've kept on three. Uh, we've got um, Carly. We've got Matt Bryant, who uh, people will see in the Great Glass House now. That's his. He's working in there. And we have L. James, uh, who is in charge of the uh, Boulder Garden at the moment. And uh, one thing I noticed with all three of those is their sheer love of plants. That, and I don't think the three of them, you know, they came without that knowledge to start off with, and they're so enthusiastic now. Well, they're enthusiastic not only about their plants, but about their life, and that absolutely thrills me. And I find that each of the members of the horticultural team in the garden, and I've got to know them better perhaps than other members of staff, they have a great purpose in yeah. their work, an individual purpose, an important purpose, which fits into the purpose of the horticultural team as a whole. And they contribute enormously to that. And that's come about not only of their enthusiasm, but the enthusiasm of the older members of staff who've wanted to pass on their knowledge to the apprentices. So the older members uh, of staff have appreciated the apprentices, the apprentices have appreciated the older members of staff, and the whole have come together as a very cohesive team with a great mission and a great purpose. And it reminds me enormously of something which Vita Sackville West wrote in her very famous poem, The Garden. She said, what is it we ever expect from life? And various things she described, but no, it was never those things. It was the ardour 
that lit the hole. And I sensed that ardour amongst the horticultural team and amongst everyone in the Botanic Garden. And that thrills me, the ardour that lit the hole. I love that. That's really lovely. Uh, on a previous podcast, I've talked to James Kettle, and James was talking very much about the kind of nuts and bolts of how everything fitted together here. And it is, from this outside, it looks really, really complex, but inside it seems to seamlessly fit together really nicely, and that kind of accords with what you're saying. And I think that visitors sense that too. Often I speak with visitors around and say, there's something about this place, and is that the ardour, I think, that brings everyone that. together. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love plants as well. And I know if I um, want to come and chat to plants, I've got a whole team of people and I, they're always someone happy to talk and thrill me. Even just walking here today, we're sat in a polytunnel here today and we've just walked past, uh, funny enough, Elle and Morgan and they were showing us the different grasses they're putting out on the, on the broadwalk, telling me, I've, I've got a little ball here of the stiper seeds that being Morgan's made into a little ball for no reason whatsoever but I've learned from that as well they're such a good team and of course I sense that it's going to go on because the team I've described and Simon and then Will Ritchie and John Ellis pulling it together but now new curator Alex Summers is very enthusiastic about apprentices and he will mastermind the program of the training of the new apprentices and we've got one who's completed his first year, Ben, who's mm. absolute stalwart and much appreciated by everybody. And we've got two more starting next Monday doing their two-year course. Oh, I didn't know they were starting next Monday. And right? Alex right. will guide them yeah. through their training and see they get the most out of it, but also see that they give back to the garden and to the scheme, and they will do. Now, uh, when you, uh, on the uh, practical level of organising and, and looking after the, uh, the apprentices, uh, we started off with Faye Hall yes. uh, started that. She sadly died very recently. Great loss to everybody. Now, she was a very organised person. She, I worked with her on the apothecary garden. I did the interpretation for it. And I was always really impressed that Faye always had... She always had a, a, a map where she was up to. She was always very in control. And I, I thought, oh, I bet you were very good with the apprentices. And I think she's got a good reputation for having done that. She did. And only yesterday I was talking to Ashia, who reflected on Faye and said how much she, Ashia, owed to Faye for the way Faye had set up the programme and the administration of the scheme, Yeah, which Ashia says she's now fortunate to have taken on. Yeah, and, and Aisha is very, very, uh, she's very enthusiastic as well. And I can tell she enjoys what she does. She's very uh, practical in the way she sees things. And I think she's, she's probably a really great person to work under as well. Patrick, could you tell me a little bit about how your uh, love of gardening started? I think it's in my blood. And I often say to people, I haven't got green fingers, but I've got green blood. <laughs> and I know grandparents and Previous members of the family have loved their gardens, and my parents did. And during the war years, we lived in a tiny little gardener's cottage next door to a lovely walled garden. And I had the freedom as a child to explore that garden. And I remember the gardener, Mr. Haynes, and the potting shed with his dark corners mm -hmm. and its sunken water tanks and the carnations that he grew. And so that all came into my blood. And in our own garden, we had box hedges and fuchsia bushes. And I think fuchsia is perhaps my favourite shrub. And I remember running along the paths, running my hand on the top of the box hedges. 
And so that was really how my love of gardening must have come about. And as a soldier, there weren't too many opportunities for gardening, but I did give a rose border to one officer's mess that I left. And in Oman, I planted a garden in the camp, in the desert. It wasn't terribly successful, but it was a great diversion from all that one was thinking about in the heat of the desert. And then one day I remember going out into the desert and thinking about my garden in Hampshire that I'd bought and would develop and drew the plans for that garden out in the desert sand full scale. And I remember saying to myself, that's the garden I'm going to make when I return home. And I did. But you, you wrote a book about your garden as well, didn't you? And I wrote a book, and I loved writing it. That was all part of the garden, making the garden and recording it and writing about it. And I was thrilled to do that. It was a great effort, writing a book. But I did it, and I love having that book. Is it still available? You can buy it secondhand on EBE Books oh, for right. a couple of quid. <laughs> from this country, if you get one from the States, it costs you many, many dollars. Okay. And what's his, what's his title? Because My Garden is Your Garden, which is a reflection of the Arabs saying, my house is your house. When the Arabs welcome you to their house, they will say, my house is your house. And say, so my garden is your garden. Wow. So just tell me a little bit about this garden, because if you, for, I mean, that's a, it's a huge part of your life. Tell me its name. And, it's and, and, a huge part of my life. The garden was called Abbey Cottage. It was next door to a huge house called Abbey House, and it had very beautiful brick walls and some flint walls, and I changed the shape of the earth. I got a picture of the bulldozer in the garden, making different levels, which are so important. Uh-huh. And then I divided it up and planted hedges and had a pond and borders, and in the field I had planted some special, special trees and a fruit garden and then a bit of an arboretum. And so it was a great part of my life, and I loved it. And that was why it was so difficult to leave, but I knew it was important to leave. And as I said, the estate agents got far more money than I needed. So this was a one-off opportunity in life to give something substantial to something else. Yeah. And I know that coming back today for this discussion, um, I just feel at one with Wales. You cross the Seven Bridge and you feel at one with Wales. So I'm thrilled to be able to give something back to Wales when Wales has given me so much. That's, that's wonderful, that is. Is there a particular part of the Botanic Garden that you've, you like? Do you know, I was hoping you'd ask me that. Yeah, People yeah. asked me when I had my own garden, which is really quite big, yeah. what part of the garden do you particularly like? It's where I happen to be at the time. <laughs> and that is so here. Yesterday yeah. I walked right round the garden. Yeah. And I remember thinking each place where I stopped, hmm, I really like this place. Ah, <laughs> uh, so not one in particular. So I'm not going to ask you a question. It's yeah, 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 yeah. Wherever I happen to be at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but also I feel I've been very fortunate in giving something back to Wales, and I'm thrilled to have done this because Wales has given me so much. And I just hope that other people may find the opportunity to do the same. Yeah. got a living legacy, which I'm so enjoying watching the way that my legacy is being used and the benefit it's given to young people. And I just hope that other people or other firms may find an opportunity to follow my lead and do the same so the apprentice scheme can continue into the future and not only perpetuate their memories and then give them a legacy, but also for me 
to perpetuate the memory of my garden in Hampshire, who was really the foundation of our apprentice training scheme. And your continued support for the garden is that you've been recognised and you are now a fellow of the garden. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> what is, what Very nicely. Mean, Gary said, would I accept being a fellow of the garden? Well, that came out of this <laughs> bit of a shock. <laughs> so I said, yes, I'd love to be considered a fellow of the garden, together with anyone else who's a fellow. <laughs> <laughs> and how many fellows do you think we have? Not many. <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. But what we're after as well, being quite blunt about it, is ultimately we have to pay for apprenticeship schemes in the future. So you gave a very generous start for it and you continue your support over the years. So in the future, can you see what way we need to be going for the future for apprentices? Well, we've got a good team raising money now and Owen's work in fundraising. That's Owen Thomas, yeah. Owen Thomas will be very important. Alex Summers' work in all his, with all his contacts um, will be very important. And the way the garden is developing and getting many more visitors, and I hope perhaps some of the funds that produce will be allocated to the apprentice scheme, yeah. which is now an important part of the whole garden. Whereas originally it was stood rather on its own, it's now a part of the whole garden. And I expect and hope the garden will be able to contribute something to it. I had a scheme that I suggested, maybe one day it will happen, that a penny, in inverted commas a penny, from every entrance fee should go towards the apprentice scheme. Oh, I felt right. that visitors would appreciate that. Visitors appreciate yeah. training young people. Yeah. And so a penny for the apprentice scheme was my, <laughs> my idea. <laughs> Well, they used to, uh, it's been a long habit here of people lobbing in pennies into the uh, uh, into the dipping pool in the double wall garden. I don't think that'll do it on its own. But I, no, I think <clears> it's a penny in inverted commas. Yeah. <laughs> and Alex Summers, I think, am I right to say, he came through an apprentice scheme at Cambridge Botanic Garden? He certainly was involved with one. I'm not so sure whether he all was right, an okay. apprentice or not. Right. But all I do know is actually I did a bit of research for um, Rob Thomas, the previous fundraiser, but yeah. now I hope Owen has taken something of his on. Looking into some of the apprentices, Welsh apprentices, who'd done very well with their businesses. And there are several, in fact more than several, who've been very successful with their businesses and also started off life as an apprentice. So I hope that some of them might feel they would like to contribute to our scheme. Yeah. And maybe in due course Owen will be in touch with them. Okay. Now, Patrick, you, you, you said to me you've got a lovely quote to conclude our chat today. It's only yesterday I picked this one up. It was a quote by Gertrude Jekyll's writing. And she said this, A lesson I have thoroughly learnt and wish to pass on to others is to know the enduring happiness that the love of a garden gives. Wow. And so if I can conclude with that, yeah. I'd like to. Well, Patrick, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. At the end of the recording, Patrick contacted me to say he just wanted to change slightly something he'd said about where did he see the scheme going in the future. What he should have said was, I see today's young apprentices being amongst the leaders of horticulture in Wales in the future. 
and their qualification achieved at our National Botanic Garden being very well respected. And to that end, we'd also like to let you know of the email address of our fundraising officer, Owen Thomas, and his address is owen.thomas at gardenofwales.org.uk. Jockenville.